Warning, the following podcast has been classified as insanely lucrative. Listener discretion is advised. Kind of a gray area for the main image on product listings. So in order to be creative, sometimes people put different badges. Your attention, please, please. Listening to the AMPM podcast may cause recurring revenue streams and unfair, unfair advantages over your competitors. Other side effects may include better wallets, fired bosses, and longer vacations. Listen at your own risk. Here's your host, seven-figure entrepreneur and online marketing madman, Manny Coates. Manny Coates. Hello and welcome to the AMPM podcast. My name is Manny Coates and I will be your host and this is the show where we discuss all things private label and how to generate recurring revenue streams 24 hours per day during the AM and the PM, hence the name of the show. Get it? AMPM podcast. As a matter of fact, I'm about to board a plane and head off to Las Vegas for the Prosper show and while I'll be sitting there in my seat 30,000 feet above the ground, I will be making money. How cool is that? Pretty cool, I think. So today I'm gonna be doing an interview with Augustus Clays and he is responsible for some very, very popular virtual summits and we're gonna be talking a little bit about that and he's gonna be sharing some nuggets as well from all the speakers that he's spoken to, he's interviewed as well. He's gonna be sharing some of that information. So let's not waste any more time, let's get into it right now. Hey everybody, I am here with Augustus Kligis. Did I get that right, Augustus? Yeah, we were just laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Almost, it's Augustus Kligis. Kligis, all right, perfect, perfect. And you are from a small country. A lot of people may not have heard of it, but you're in Lithuania, but currently living in Germany. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. I live with my family. My wife is German. Awesome. And you've been an online entrepreneur for over 10 years and used to be a freelancer for web programming. And if I... Remember everything correctly, about one and a half years ago, you got interested in the Amazon FBA business model, and that's when you became active doing reviews, and you were one of the top German reviews, is that right? Or reviewers, yeah, that's correct. Say. Not a review, but yeah, you're one of the top German reviewers. Yeah, I cannot be a review, but I can be a reviewer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So I would love to be a review who pop, which pops up some different product listings. This is what happens when uh, I don't have enough coffee in the morning. So uh, forgive me, guys. But yeah, tell us a little bit about how you started with that and then where you are now. So brother-in-law showed me that he did uh, some nice, well, little nice numbers on Amazon. And I started to be interested about one and a half years ago into this business model. However, I had, uh, I was in the paralysis mode because I searched for a product. I put a lot of conditions on my product research and I didn't find any product for a few months. I cooperated with a friend, no product found. A lot of um, reasons we couldn't find a product was also the capital. We had very low budget. So in the end, no product and I just got tired of this and I let it go this idea. But I was following because following all the communities talking about FBA model and uh, I saw that people have pain in finding information about European uh, marketplaces of Amazon. This is how I created uh, my first virtual summit for Amazon sellers in Europe uh, in 2016. So, and at the moment, I work on the other virtual summit, which is for worldwide audience. Yeah. And that's actually a pretty cool thing. So last year, so were you the first one in this space? I know there's been other people as well now, but were you the first one to do an actual virtual summit where you had all these speakers come online and nobody had to 
you know, nobody has to fly out to a conference. They can just, you know, pay and come see everybody live, you know, every day that you have somebody on. Yes, I think in the Amazon industry, uh, among the sellers, I was the first to do this kind of big. I had 26 speakers for European uh, marketplace coverage. And uh, I know that uh, CPC strategy company, they are doing small virtual summits, but it's more inside the company with their own speakers. So they are not inviting anyone much from the outside. So in this kind of big virtual summit was the first, I would say. Yeah. And in this year, uh, I was going to say this to the end, but I think we should talk about it. It's called Seller Optimization Summit. And you have, you're predicting over 40 speakers that are going to be at this event? Uh, yes, there will be for sure 35 plus, uh, but uh, since I'm still working on the summit, uh, there will be popping up a few more speakers and I have to confirm a couple of speakers. All right. And that's over seven days, right? The virtual summit will last seven days and uh, people will be able to listen it for, uh, for free. Okay. Oh, they can. It's free. Uh, yes, it's uh, free for 24 hours. Each day you receive about uh, five or six uh, video interviews, which you can watch for free for 24 hours. But next day, old ones are locked, but new ones are unlocked. Okay. And if somebody wants to unlock them all so that you know, they can peruse them at their own convenience, what does that cost? Yes, uh, it will be called All Access Pass. So if you want to uh, just get instant access and not to wait for any broadcast of all the sessions, you just uh, purchase for something under the $100, between $77 and $97. Okay, all right. And then where would they go if they want to find out more? It's uh, selleroptimizationsummit.com. Okay. All right, cool. There you go. We got the pitch out of the way. We did this in reverse. <laughs> we got it in the beginning. So... Yeah, I hypnotized you. I, One of my speakers was will be a hypnotic copywriter. Maybe she hypnotized you me. You did. I think you did hypnotize me. I've never done this in over 100 podcasts. I always wait till the end. But so anyways, everybody's got it. They uh, hopefully wrote that down. If not, hit that rewind button. But let's talk a little bit about some of your knowledge because, I mean, having gone through this last year with your summit, you know, a couple dozen people this year, you're going to have, you know, several dozen. You've probably heard some pretty awesome nuggets. So where should we start? I'm going to let you lead the way. Where do you want to go? I think it's very important. Um, yeah, I, I, I like to, to talk about, you know, mindset and success. And when I see what successful Amazon business entrepreneurs, but also in general, successful people, what they do, they think long term. And uh, this is a big reminder to myself when I talk to a successful people during my interviews. It's long-term, long-term, long-term. Also, Amazon FBA business is long-term. So if you focus on your product just to make quick sales within three months, it, you will, it will not work for you and uh, you will have to finish this kind of activity soon. So it's important to think like three, five years in advance what you want to do with all this, what you're doing. Are you speaking specifically to like building a brand or are you talking about, when you say long-term, it's always three to five years for you or is a year a long-term for you? Um, it's more maybe the whole business strategy. So if you are building a brand, it's if it's the whole business of yours, so of course you have to think, I think for the brand for three years in advance, what you will do. And uh, I have one speaker on my summit. She's a lady from New Zealand and she is thinking about when she starts a brand, she's already in, having in mind to whom she will sell this brand. So it's very interesting. And because before listening to these people, I would think, okay, I will just create my product and uh, put 
any logo, which will be my brand. And I will not even have a clue what's going to happen with it in a few years. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And Augustus, you're very wise here. How old are you, by the way, in case people are curious? Let me calculate. <laughs> it's, two, it's 2017, so it should be soon 39. 39. All right. You're, you're still in your 30s. So that's good. Eventually, you'll be 3010 and 3011, 3012. You don't want to leave the 30s. You know that, right? Oh, I didn't know. So it, uh, yeah. This kind of uh, calculation didn't come uh, to Europe. We just have Celsius and meters, <laughs> but this kind of age calculation, not. It's perfect. It's good. So, all right, think long-term. Think where your brand is going to be. Potentially, you already have an exit strategy, whether you want to sell that brand, what you're going to be doing with it. Are you going to brick and mortar? Are you going to be staying online? But that all takes money, right? For example, my launch strategies, I'm giving away tons and tons of products initially to even get myself ranked so that I can start making money organically. So for the first, you know, X number of months, I'm not making money. I'm lucky if I'm breaking even. It's easier if you have money though, right? So what does somebody do if they don't have that capital to do that, to have that long-term vision? Well, this is another thing which I, I'm uh, learning from bigger people that uh, basically... Yeah, you need capital for this kind of business. Of course, you can start, and there are success stories from uh, which start for a few hundred dollars. Uh, but is that I realistic, think, honestly, in your opinion? I think it's uh, maybe realistic if you have a, let's say, a backup capital to survive. Because from Amazon business starting with five hundred, one thousand, two thousand, you might not still support yourself. So if you have free time and you want to juggle and learn. By doing, I think it's a good uh, strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you want maybe, um, yeah, if you want bigger turnover faster, let's say within half a year and that it supports your family, your, <laughs> your life, I think then it would be wise to sit down and uh, build some strategy. And there are a lot of different strategies how you can raise you know, capital for your business. It's not, doesn't mean that you have to save money when you work. And during my summit also, I will interview people, uh, the guy who did uh, nine Kickstarter launches. So he funded his products through Kickstarter. Another person, uh, partner had a partnership with influencer who had a traffic uh, website with a big traffic. So he just, the guy just brought his product and the influencer delivered the traffic and here we go with a uh, with a big turnover okay influencer also invested some money so yeah if you have some strategy you know and you meet right people you can proceed without your own capital for sure yeah okay any other capital sources that pop to mind real quick mm, i'm putting you on the spot if you find if you find a tree with a growing uh, <laughs> Uh, dollars, it would be maybe a possibility, but uh, it might be protected with big fences. Yeah, exactly. And I should say, guys, I've, I've tried UpFund. I haven't done a lot of them out there. My buddy Kevin King, he's tried just about everything. We're going to be expanding on that in the future, but I've tried UpFund. I got a pretty good amount from them very quickly. You don't need to have a year's worth of history. You just have to be kind of on the upswing with your sales. But if you're first starting out with no sales and it's a whole different thing. So that's a whole other podcast, right? Uh, I agree. Yeah. So somebody's starting out, let's back up a little bit and they've got their product. You know, everybody thinks reviews, I use, at least the new people I talk to, they're like, oh, you know, they're looking at the competitor's reviews. They're looking at how am I going to get reviews? And that whole marketplace, that whole scene has been disrupted. As a matter of fact, you used to be what, almost a top 100 reviewer in your country. Is that right? 
yes, it's uh, in Germany. It's uh, not my home country, but yeah, this is where I lived. And for one year, when the review game was allowed, I was a reviewer and I was getting, a, mm, I think I reviewed about more than 250 products. And uh, I totally support Amazon in the, their decision because I, I saw it from inside and it becomes, uh, yeah, I think even it's everyone writes it's an honest review. You are still influenced, especially when you get more expensive item. Uh, I got items for maybe 100 euros so 150. I got even for 300, but uh, it, it can influence you. Plus when you have relationship with a, mm, a seller to whom you write a third or second review, it can be difficult sometimes maybe to say that the product is crap. Depends on the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be a little biased to leave that positive review yeah. no matter how bad it is. So that's, that whole landscape has changed though, right? So, you know, getting incentivized reviews no longer around. What are your thoughts on new people coming to the game here, wanting reviews, looking at reviews, the whole review thing? I think people are concentrating or focusing on the wrong thing. Uh, it's just because it was such a, uh, it was a process which was easy to abuse. So everyone was abusing in some way, uh, literally buying reviews. And uh, I think the most important is that you deliver value with your product to the customer not value with some reviews written by, by, by top reviewers. So it's important to focus on a, a product quality and the customer service which you provide. And a couple of bright minds, smart sellers I talk to, they, they just say like, I don't care about reviews. I just proceed with uh, bringing the valued product, uh, good quality, and uh, they succeed. So I think it's not about this kind of game. Yeah. I think it's overrated. Back in the day when I would teach the initial launches, my mindset was definitely different. I was like, you know what, you got to get reviews that are, you know, within reason, a reasonable amount of what your competitors are at. Because if somebody's got a thousand reviews and you've got, you know, five, or you say you got 30 or 50 or whatever the number is, it's not going to be good. But I'm noticing that's really not, it's not affecting me as much as it used to be. In fact, I just talked about this on our Facebook group. By the way, guys, I'm just going to mention it real quick. It's called the FBA High Rollers. If you want to join our Facebook group, 17,000 people in there, go to ampmpodcast.com forward slash Facebook. But in our Facebook group, I don't know if you saw this, Augustus, but I accidentally launched a product. I know it sounds weird, right? I accidentally launched a product, but I had a product come in. We kind of put filler for the image and the bullet point, I think, said like bullet point one. And the description was like, it said the word description, it was the title was messed up. And the product came in and we were so busy with everything that's going on that I actually forgot to create the listing correctly, right? No reviews, no nothing. And as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, no launch strategy, nothing. Quickly put up some really good photos and created the listing very nicely, but didn't have any kind of official launch strategy. So I'm not saying that people should do this, but my point here is that by doing all that and making it look awesome and making everything, you know, Look like a legitimate super product. We started getting sales. Of course, we started you know our PPC with just an automatic campaign, and we started getting sales and with zero reviews, by the way. And now it has a few reviews, but I guess it, I'm just trying to point out that you don't absolutely have to have reviews. It's not ideal, but I did it. You know, and it's we were at 10 sales. I think yesterday we were over 20 sales. I mean, it's got literally I think two reviews right now. So, and it's not that hard to get at least one review. I would say you know you know Amazon says hey you're not supposed to get friends or family, but you know, do what you got to do to get your first review, at least. That's my opinion on that. 
Yes, another interesting point about reviews, everyone, at least before, they were thinking that they need as much as possible reviews. And then I made an interview with James Thompson, the ex-Amazonian who runs Prosper Show, the offline conference for Amazon sellers. Mm-hmm. He, I, I asked him, he was talking about seller feedback, uh, how important it is. And I asked, what about product reviews? And what he mentioned that, yeah, he said that sometime when you have like 10 or 15 reviews afterwards, more reviews is just nice thing to have, but it doesn't really affect Amazon algorithm. So he says it's more important to concentrate afterwards to the, to get positive seller feedback because Amazon is looking uh, at, at these metrics that let's say your sales are growing. And if you're not receiving seller feedback, it means something is wrong. So basically when your sales are growing, you have to receive a proportional amount of seller feedback as well. Mm. So it was very interesting that you said you don't need, you know, excessive amount of reviews. Yeah, no, that is interesting to continually get that seller feedback in. That's good. It's good to know. And you're right, though, the actual reviews, for me, it's social proof, right? So if somebody comes in and they see that there's like 12 reviews or 20 reviews, or in your case, like you said, once you go over a certain limit, you know, if you have 50 reviews, yeah, it doesn't really matter that much. But initially, I think you want to get that. You want to try to get to that threshold, but you can do it organically. You don't have to go out and do it like we did in the old days. Although it is helpful. I will say, if you can start off with 10 reviews, it's certainly better than starting off with zero. Do whatever you got to do to get them. Yeah, Anthony Lee, whom I interviewed, uh, he is uh, representing Zonblast, the product launching company, I think. And he says that he himself is getting reviews from, uh, <laughs> from his network. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Again, you know, Amazon is very specific about what you can and can't do. When they say you can't use friends and family, everybody I know uses friends and family. So you're just not going to not say in that, right? So be uh, resourceful right? <laughs> to, to get your first reviews. And, and you know, if your product is good, like you said, if your photography is good, the sales will come. If your customer service, if you're following up, if somebody's got a problem with their product, don't send them to Amazon, guys. At least that's my opinion. We don't do that. We don't have anybody return things to Amazon. If they have an issue, we send out a new unit ourselves. We send them a replacement part, whatever it is. We have spare parts for that reason. And that's the reason why our seller feedback and our reviews are stellar, really good. So that's really important. That brings me to my next point, because I think what really helped me sell that product that I accidentally kind of launched last minute was the photos. The photos were really good. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Yes, actually, this is an interesting point, which I notice many of my people I talk to uh, mention that uh, outsource photography or invest a lot of money or, you know, not don't be cheap on photography. I think your buddy, Kevin King is doing that. He told me that he spent a couple of thousand dollars on photographing uh, things for his product. And uh, yeah, this is, I hear probably five or more times I heard during my interviews. Yeah, I think it's probably, if it's not the biggest, outside of keywords maybe, just so that people can actually find your product. I mean, if you have incredible photos but nobody can find your product, then you're kind of stuck. But once they can see your listing, like, you know, in the search results or however they get to your thumbnail, that thumbnail has to sell you. It has to be phenomenal. And if you're taking a selfie and the lighting is bad and everybody else is using really high-end photographers to get that really incredible looking shot, you're going to get killed. You're going to get squashed. And as if, you know, when people are clicking on their products, you're going to be, and not yours, you're going to be moving down the rankings and eventually you have no sales. So I think too, that's one of the areas where People try to save money where they shouldn't. 
right? Spend money there, guys. And it's going to cost you, it cost me several hundred dollars per product at least to get the photography done. Kevin King, as you just mentioned, Augustus is even, he spends a lot more. He tries to get everything done in one day, though. He comes out and has like 10 products shot and, and hires a photographer for the whole day. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, of course, it's not only photography sometimes, it's also uh, what you put on those images. So there is, I think, kind of a gray area for the main image on product listings. So in order to be creative, sometimes people put different badges, which might not be allowed by the terms, conditions, but people still do different badges or flags. So Yeah, I guess it's legal until you get caught, right? And then you're in trouble. <laughs> but here's something that I've seen, and I've talked about this in the past. Be creative, okay? So Amazon says you're not supposed to add extra stuff. For your main thumbnail image we're talking about, the, the one with the white background, you're not supposed to add badges or borders or anything that isn't actually sold with that product, right? If you sell coffee, you can't show a blender. I'm sorry, not a blender, a coffee machine next to the, uh, you know, the, the coffee bag or whatever. So you got to be creative. But, you know, if you're selling jelly beans, as an example, let's say you sell candy and you got the world's most awesome jelly beans, you can spell out the word jelly beans with those jelly beans that you buy and put that across the top along with a, an open bag showing all the colors and stuff. And that would be cool because when people are looking at the thumbnails, right, yours is going to stand out because it's got an actual word and your eyes are scrolling through the images and your mind's going to see that word, boom, and you're going to pause. It's going to make you see that one. And that's worked really, really effectively for people that have products where they can do that kind of stuff. Have you seen those? Uh, yes, I have seen, I think, uh, for some seats. And actually, today I was asked uh, by someone, is it okay to, if you are selling a cloth, if if it's okay if there is a woman dressed with my clothes, uh, which I'm selling? So I was wondering, yeah, it's a good question. Can, I, can a person be dressed with something you sell? Yeah, you know what? I don't sell clothes. That's, a, you know, models. I would imagine it's probably not allowed on the main image. But certainly all the other images would, I'd have all the, the nicest looking models. It'd be very, a lot of lifestyle shots that make it look cool and appealing. But I know Amazon's really strict about, you know, that product. If you have a bracelet, you're selling a bracelet, you're not supposed to show a hand with a bracelet on it in the main image. It's just got to be the product itself. So, and, yeah. and also they, I mean, they do that for, for two reasons, right? They want to make sure it's all clean. This is what I understand. They want to make sure everything is formatted Similarly, it looks clean. It's not, you know, I don't know if you remember the old site, MySpace, how that thing ended up going crazy when they let everybody do what they wanted. But also because there's confusion in the market. If you've got something and you're showing other products on that image, people might assume that they're getting those products that are in that image, even though it might be just one thing. Yeah, so, that's correct. So, all right, cool. What's next? What else should we talk about here? Uh, I noticed that uh, some people, some speakers uh, or gurus of Amazon, they mentioned that when you are, when they talk about optimization, you know, and people use this uh, information they get from Amazon dashboard about their sponsored ads campaigns, mm-hmm. uh, there is this thing of uh, wrongly calculating your ACOS, A-C-O-S. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how so? And, it's because on the Amazon dashboard, it shows only the campaign percentage of uh, this acquisition cost, but uh, people might be forgetting that there is also FBA fees and uh, all other course costs associated with the product sourcing and uh, shipping. So basically the number of ACOS you see on the dashboard, it's not really 
you shouldn't be happy about this if it's it's a good number because you might be forgetting a lot of other costs involved in the product. Yeah, that's a good point. I think that's the general issue with, well, I wouldn't say people in general, but there are some that will teach, even in our groups, you know, people say, hey, make sure you do this, this, and this, and then look at this number, and I've got a 60%, you know, profit. And I'm like, but are you calculating, you know, your refunds and your promo codes and your, you know, these things that people don't think about. And when it's all said and done, you could be upside down. But yeah, that's interesting. So ACOS then, what's the takeaway on that? Look at it and then go back and what? Well, probably the best way is to use some of the tools which can, uh, you know, import Amazon's Seller Central data and show you the real costs. Otherwise, it might be uh, difficult and long uh, time consuming work to work with the spreadsheets. Yeah, there's a couple tools out there, guys, that you can use for that. I use Hello Profit. You know, Ryan Bredemeyer over there, he's a, one of the co-founders. He's a cool guy. I love that guy. We hang out at conferences and stuff, but he has a tool called Hello Profit that breaks down all your costs from shipping to Amazon's fees to advertising to you name it. And in the end, you can see very quickly how much profit you're making. So check it out. We have it actually linked in our tools section. I think we, some of the tools that, and services that we have We'll get a small affiliate commission on, but some of them we don't. So I don't actually remember which ones we we get an affiliate commission on. But you guys can go to ampmpodcast.com and there's a tools section. I think it's forward slash tools and check it out. Do you know, have you ever used Hello Profit? Uh, since I'm not selling, so I haven't. No. Oh, that's right. You don't sell. You just accumulate all the knowledge and then share it. So that's cool. So you're exactly. one of the first people that I've actually talked to that's, you know, getting into all the nitty gritty here, but actually isn't a seller. So that's a good point. Uh, I hope I am bringing a lot of value to the people with my summit. And I think one of the most important um, things for sellers to remember, also when I speak to some uh, uh, experts in this area, most of the time these words are coming from ex-Amazonians like James Thompson or uh, Karina McLeod. Uh, they are talking about customer-centric approach in your business, uh, Amazon business, because for Amazon, the customer is number one. and uh, uh, when uh, you as a seller, you you are thinking of entering Amazon's boat and doing business inside their house, you have to follow the rules of Amazon and the rules of Amazon are obviously all tuned towards the customer. So if you are unhappy about how Amazon treats you, might be that you are doing something wrong towards the customer. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. And James, uh, is he one of the speakers as well on your summit? Or was that just a webinar? Uh, yes, he, will, he is one of the speakers in my summit. And he will talk about uh, 10 biggest mistakes even experienced Amazon sellers are making. So Okay, cool. It's yeah. interesting. Yeah, we have him coming up on a webinar as well. So I don't know, by the time they listen to this podcast, we might have had it out. It just depends on when this gets out. But yeah, smart guy. Plus, he used to work at Amazon. So that's always a bonus, right? Yes, and he also talks to a lot of uh, smart people in the industry because he's running Prosper Show. Yeah, I heard Prosper. It's sort of a large show, huh? <laughs> it's pretty big. I'm actually yeah. going, by the way. Are you going to be there? Uh, no, not not this year. <laughs> no, okay. It's my first time going to Prosper. So if you guys are listening and you are going to Prosper and you see me, come over and say hi. I'd love to meet you guys. So, okay. So people that are getting into this, they're focused on Amazon. What are your thoughts on them Focusing just on Amazon for X amount of time, because you talked about a three to five year, you know, future plan, right? At what point do you think they should shift their focus from 
Amazon because that takes up a lot of, you know, a lot of mind power, a lot of time to get that thing launched and going. What point do they shift over to outside traffic? Or do you even believe in outside, you know, driving outside traffic? Uh, outside traffic to Amazon, of course, uh, Shinoma, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's easy to implement. You can do uh, Facebook advertising or uh, create your website and advertise Google AdWords, perhaps. But it's important, of course, to think about your business expansion to other platforms to sell on other e-commerce channels. And it's probably if you are starting, it's worth to concentrate, to focus on Amazon at the beginning. But uh, whenever you already launched your product and it's, it's, yeah, not much to do there, more or less, you can probably create, uh, start creating your own web store and uh, what you want to do you want to collect email addresses of your uh, customers so if you will be driving traffic not directly to your amazon listing but advert you advertise on other platforms and you send traffic to your web store you could you know create your email list of potential customers and then uh, this is how you could add value to your brand as well yeah, and you can use that list as you mentioned earlier to launch additional products and even get reviews down the road for those products without having to go and use another service. Yeah, and it would be all within terms of and conditions of Amazon. Yeah. So, what would you say is the from the people that you've talked to? What's the number one source or platform outside of Amazon that people are going to with success? It sounds that the easiest way is just to go on on eBay using a Joe Lister. Uh, according to Kevin King, it it's like very easy integration. If you want to go to platforms like Walmart and Jet, I think there might be a lot of different requirements which might not be uh, possible to be fulfilled by new sellers because I think they are looking for more established uh, businesses. Yeah, that's true. I could speak to Joe Lister. I didn't actually set it up. I had my brother do that. I said, it's been forever. I'm like, you know what? I got to do this and I just never had time. So I said, Mike, Set us up on Joe Lister. He's like, what is that? <laughs> Let's look it up. And he actually had it implemented in about 10, 15 minutes. And we generate several sales a day now off of that. So, and it doesn't seem like a lot, right? When you think, you know, two or three sales per day, not a lot, but you know, when the average sale is, you know, $30, let's say that's almost, you know, that's what, 60 to almost a hundred dollars a day. That's 3000 a month. So, you know, do the math. That's going to be over $30,000 by the end of the year and extra sales for 10 minutes to implement and then it's completely automated at that point because it just pulls all your information from Amazon, fills your eBay account, your your listings up and then anybody that buys off of eBay, it just gets fulfilled by Amazon. So it's 100% automated. I haven't spent five seconds with it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, ex exactly. Five extra sales for no work. It's good. Yeah. And uh, uh, for Walmart and Jet, I for my virtual summit, I interviewed uh, founder of tool called geek seller and they are also i think thinking to expand to ebay so very soon they might be also be able to export listings from amazon and put it on ebay okay there you go guys so two sources you can go check out awesome all right we're roughly at the 30 minute mark so i want to cover a few more topics with you i've got a list here where should we go let's what about meeting people how important is that Oh, yes. Uh, I think what I noticed also uh, from successful people that they always, you know, they, they search how to network with the bigger people than they and also at least 
to find a big network of their own uh, uh, level people, uh, let's say, uh, business level people. So uh, they create mastermind groups and they exchange ideas. And this is also what happens in my private life that uh, before I was a web developer and I was just doing, you know, hourly freelance work. But now when I do summits, I kind of talk a lot with all these people who have experienced a lot and they are really smart and I see how I can grow myself. So even you cannot find other Amazon sellers, find someone, maybe a business coach or someone who has bigger knowledge uh, yeah, in the business world whom, who can lead you a little bit and give you some fresh ideas. Yeah. No, it's super important. It's one of the biggest things I've told people in terms of the success of your business, looking forward that future is network, you know, get out there. And I think people underappreciate or undervalue going to conferences, for example. You know, it's funny, Kevin King and myself, we've been to, uh, Guillermo goes to all the conferences that I go to, but Kevin tags along on some of these as well. And he'll be like, yeah, I didn't really learn too much at this one because Kevin just got a lot of knowledge when it comes to selling on Amazon. But he always gets a nugget or two every single time. Every single time I've gone, even when he says he's not going to get one, he gets one and it makes a big difference in his business. But more so than that, it's the networking, man, right? After the conference ends at five o'clock, let's say, and we're going to get dinner or we're going to the bar to grab a drink or whatever, you meet those people and you, know, you meet that right person that maybe they're experts at Instagram or something that you're not doing yet. And your eyes, you know, kind of get wide, like, holy crap, I haven't thought about doing that. This just happened to us. In fact, when we went to the ClickFunnels event talking to a guy that was just an expert with Instagram specifically. And we now have a plan that we're going to use to attack Instagram in a way that I've not heard anybody else talk about, right? So that, that should add, I'm hoping, six figures in sales over the course of this year once we get around to actually implementing it. But, you know, people say, well, you know, how many conferences do you go to? I go to as many as I possibly can that I think are going to make sense. You know, we went to ClickFunnels. From ClickFunnels, we immediately flew to Miami for another conference. It was a high-level conference there. And then uh, we're back now. We're going to be going to Prosper, and then I'm going to another one next month. So it's important. You always meet people that are, are going to add value, I think, if you make the effort. You, gotta, you can't sit in the corner and not talk to people, though, right? You actually got to go and chat with them. Yeah, that's correct. And I think uh, maybe most of the cases you don't uh, hear many new things in the conferences like this, but the most important are people you meet, of course. Yeah. And you don't have to go to conferences, guys. You can do it online as well. But, uh, you know, put a voice to the name to call people up, you know, with Skype and with all kinds of different, you know, I am technologies now. It's just awesome to call somebody. Ver and, and do this also, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of jumping around here. I'm a little ADD, Augustus, but do this with your suppliers too. Everybody's always just typing, typing, typing. You know what? If they speak English, Give them a call every once in a while. Let them know who you are. It'll go a long ways in building that relationship and getting really good pricing. So, all right. <laughs> I took the conversation away from you. I got to give it back. Where do you want to go? Uh, to bed. <laughs> I know. It's like, what time is it there now? <laughs> it's 9 p.m. Wow. Come on. That's early. You're young. You're, you're still in your you're 30s. Right. How, how do you know it's early for me? You are correct. <laughs> 9 p.m.? I don't know. As, a, uh, <laughs> as an entrepreneur, 9 p.m. is, that's very early. You're right. Yeah. For me, it's, uh, it's still lots of hours ahead sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about, you said James Thompson, you know, he's always talking about Amazon and how they treat people and what they do. You have anything to add to that? 
Uh, yeah, there was uh, one interesting thing here. Well, I asked him, uh, you know, why Amazon or why sellers are complaining that Amazon is not communicating to them. You know, they, Amazon suspends the listing and Amazon sellers have no idea why. And what James explained to me was that basically you are inside the house of Amazon. So before entering the house, pre, please read the manual of the house, which hmm. means read all the terms of conditions. And if you messed up, we don't want to be, you know, your, your, your father and mother and take with hand and show where you made a mistake. So you have to know where you make mistakes. And by this, I think they are just, you know, this is why Amazon maybe is able to grow so fast because they are not losing this energy into educating sellers who have to educate themselves, you know? Yeah. Okay. And, so, and you had yeah. mentioned earlier, you know, reviews versus feedback and how Amazon really puts emphasis on feedback. According to James, anyways, that's what he was saying. Did you guys talk about any of the actual metrics or numbers or percentages and that kind of thing? Uh, not as I remember. No, I think we didn't go into such details. Okay. I'll have to ask him then because I'm super curious about that. Like, you know, should you have like a 1% feedback to purchase ratio or, or what the number is? At what point does it actually start affecting or hurting you? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it would be interesting if you get this information from him. Yeah, I'll ask him. I'm also curious too, and I don't know if you guys talked about this, but if you already have, let's say you have 2,500 seller feedbacks. You have a lot, right? Okay, whatever the number is, but it's thousands. And then you decide, you know what? I just don't want to ask anybody for seller feedback anymore. You continue your sales. Even though you have thousands, um, because you're making sales and you don't have any new ones coming in, was it his opinion, if you recall how this went, that it would actually negatively affect your account? Uh, I think I didn't say that it would negatively uh, um, You mean thousands of sales or thousands of reviews? So forget about the reviews. We're talking about seller feedback itself, Self. right? So if you already have, let's say, 2,500 seller feedback, okay? And I go, I don't really need any more. So I'm not going to actively go after any more seller feedback. But you continue you know, selling you know, thousands of products a month. Would that hurt you, you think? What I understood is that uh, the Amazon algorithm expects a certain percentage of seller feedback. It's like maybe, you know, you expect 2% refunds. So Amazon algorithm probably expects X percent of uh, seller feedback for all your sales. So if your seller feedback uh, stopped and you are still selling, they might, uh, what he said, that they might put you on a, a long-term payment plan. I mean, he meant that... Um, they will pay out money. They will, um, how to say, they will suspend your money. They will wait to see if these sales, which ex exaggerated, they are not uh, for some fake product or some uh, bad product. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very interesting. I wonder if it's a rolling type number. Like, you know, if I already have thousands and I stopped, does that thousands count towards that percentage or whether they're looking at just the last 30 days or 90 days or something like that? I'll ask James about it. These are technical questions that I always like to talk about the numbers. So, okay, moving on. What else do we want to hit? We, we've covered a lot of things here. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of things. And uh, if people want to hear more ideas, more interesting uh, interviews uh, and masterclasses, they can visit Seller Optimization Summit at the beginning of April. It will be launched on 3rd of April on Monday and it will last for seven days. Great. And guys, for it's, you said it was going to be under 100 bucks, right? If you wanted to unlock it, the full access? 
Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's a, a no-brainer. I mean, $100 to have all this information is just insane. So you're providing massive value. And these are speakers. Well, let me ask you that, actually. How do you pick your speakers? Mm, of course, I'm looking for uh, known speakers. But sometimes from uh, leaders, it's not so easy to extract uh, new things which people haven't heard. So for this reason, I have also maybe almost half of my speakers are unknown names. And sometimes you can find really brilliant people and smart minds which you want to connect to. And um, when I organize a summit, I simply, depending on the theme of the summit, of course, I, I look for the names in the podcasts, in the, in the Facebook communities. And yeah, this is how I pick. Uh, some speakers I just pick from the Facebook groups when I see that they are offering something interesting, like hypnotic copywriter, for example. And uh, I just reached out to her and this is how I get in touch. Okay, cool. Well, 40, well, at least 30 speakers, maybe 40 for under 100 bucks. And you can get them for free if you just want that day, that 24-hour access. Seems like a no-brainer. So definitely check that out, guys. Where do they go again if they want to do that? It's easy. It's selleroptimizationsummit.com. Okay. And if they want to reach out to you, is there a, a good way of doing that? Um, yes. Uh, I ran a European Private Label Summit last um, a year in September. So it was for people who are interested in European, uh, in expanding to Europe. And uh, for that reason, I created a blog where I share some uh, information from European marketplaces. And this blog you can reach in short, it's augustas.me, and it will redirect to my name surname.com. But because my name surname is a bit too complicated to, to spell, <laughs> so you just go augustas with as at the end and .me, and you will be redirected where you want. And there you will, if you want to get in touch with me, you will find a way to, to reach me. Okay, one final question. If you can go back 19 years, back to when you're uh, 20 years old, what would you tell yourself? I'm looking at the script and the, this question was not uh, in the list. <laughs> yeah. What would you do? Rela uh, related to business, what would you say to yourself? I think I would say, take action, baby, take action. I think it's very important to do small steps and not to be paralyzed in the thinking and thinking about the future. And uh, yeah, just you have to do things step by step. Yeah, just jump in, get it going at least. Otherwise, you won't do it. Perfect. Okay, well, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Augustus. You've been listening to the AMPM podcast hosted by Manny Coates. For more information, insider, insider tools, tools, and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit ampmpodcast.com.